Turn with me to two openings this evening. We're going to go to Romans, the 8th chapter, and then 1 Corinthians 2. Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 2. Now, uh, like we said on our last session, we're going to get into some uh, topics that are not suitable for young children. And, uh, but I mean, it's what the Bible talks about. So unless you're 13 or older, you may not stay in the service this evening. Everybody understand that? There's some things that children, small children should not hear. Okay. I'm not going <laughs> to say bad things to you, but I mean, there's some topics and subjects that the Bible deals very explicitly about that are just not appropriate for small children. Uh, we've been talking, began last week, talking about the spiritual man. And we're talking about being spiritual versus being carnal and fleshy. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh. But in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ. He's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life or alive because of righteousness. How many understand that when you got born again, it wasn't your body that got born again? You're not just a body and you're not just mind and body. You are a spirit. Like 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, I believe it is. It talks about, he said, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus. So we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Contrary to popular belief on this planet, you are not just mind and body. You are a spirit. God who is spirit created us. Amen. And we're created out of him who is spirit and we're spirit beings. We have a mind, we have a soul, we have emotions, we have feelings, but we're not just feelings and we're not just mind. We have that. And we live in a body. And when you got born again, it wasn't your mind that got born again. And it wasn't your emotions and feelings that got born again. And it wasn't your physical body that got born again. It was your spirit that was recreated and became a new man in Christ Jesus. And old things spiritually were passed away. All things have become new. But you understand, you know, that the day after you got born again, inside you're a new person. You're a new man. But on the outside, it's exactly the same it was the day before you got saved. You got the same body and you got the same mind. That's why you immediately have to get your mind renewed. Amen. Amen. So that you begin to think like the Lord. That's what Romans 12 says. Don't be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? So that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So just because you got born again doesn't mean you think like God now. You got to get in the book. Get in the word. Amen. And anytime you read something that's different from how you think, what are we going to do? Change the book or change our mind? Right answer. (laughs) You do realize people are trying to change the book. You do realize that, don't you? They think they're smarter than him. And you can give them a scripture and then go, well, well, yeah, I know that says that, but. And that's why they're messed up. So uh, your spirit became new. Your body was not born again. Now, thank God, one of these days, and it won't be long, his body's going to be changed. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, that's going to be great. I started to say that's going to be sweet, and it is going to be sweet, too. It's going to be Wonderful. Hallelujah. But till then, we have the earnest of our inheritance and we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have everything we need to control this body and keep this body. Now, you understand you can't trust your flesh any further than you can throw it. How many have found out that even after you got saved, your body will have desires? Hmm? that are not right. And your mind, thoughts will come to your mind and feelings that are not godly, not holy. Don't look at me so piously now. (laughs) We just got through saying that the day after we got born again, our flesh was the same flesh it was the day before we got born again. And our flesh is the same kind of flesh and same nature of the flesh that Joe Sinner has that's not saved yet. And so we will have some of the same feelings and some of the same thoughts and some of the same desires as the unsaved. The difference is when you're born again, you have the strength on the inside. Amen. Amen. You can control your flesh. You can control your desires. Now go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. How many believe in with me this evening? Let's agree in prayer real quickly together about the rest of this. I've got a lot of things here in front of me. Some of them are fairly sensitive. <laughs> so you agree with me that I'll do just exactly what I should do. Amen. Nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. Father, we agree together as touching these things tonight and we present ourselves before you and we say, Lord, give us utterance exact and precise Give all of us ears that hear and eyes that see and a heart to receive and to understand. And Lord, help us to see very clearly and plainly your will, your way, what you say, what you've ordained, what you say is right and what is not. And Lord, we purpose to not be hearers only, but by your grace, we will be doers. And because we do, we will be blessed in Jesus name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians, well, before I read 9, just back up to chapter 2, let me review a little bit. 1 Corinthians 2, he said in verse uh, 14, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, he said the natural man, we could also say the carnal man, the fleshy man, receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. 
neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Are we, uh, that word judge is the same word for discern, and really is talking about discerning. So you might understand it better if you read it like that. Uh, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And he that is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned of no man. Let me say it in another way. Uh, natural people that are just dominated by the natural don't see spiritual things. And they don't understand them. And the spiritual man discerns spiritual things. You know, uh, that's why, you know, it'll help you to understand why some people make fun of the things of the Spirit. They make fun of faith and living by faith. They make fun of authority in Jesus' name and confession. And they make fun of the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues and all these things. Why? Because in that area, at least, they're carnal. Flesh rule. And so many people, they... You know, they call themselves being logical. They call themselves being scientific. But they're just flesh ruled. If they can't see it, if they can't feel it, if they can't understand it with their limited intellect, then they won't receive it. And if you're going to be that way and insist on walking by sight, then you will not discern the things of God. And so do we want to be spiritual instead of fleshy and carnal? We are spirit. And we have a body. And when you say, am I going to be spiritual or carnal? What you're saying is, what part of my being is going to rule me? What part of my being is going to control me? Am I going to be flesh controlled? Or am I going to be spirit controlled? Amen. Who decides that? Does God decide that for you? Is God going to control your flesh for you? No, he is not. No. Can the devil make you yield to the flesh? No, he cannot. The decision is ours. Amen. And even as Christians, I don't, it doesn't make any difference that you're saved or that you've been filled with the Spirit or that you can quote some scriptures. You can still yield to anything you decide to yield to. Hmm? I mean, you could leave this church tonight and stop by and rob a filling station on the way home if you decided to. It'd be ignorant. But you could. Hmm? You could decide to go and watch things you shouldn't watch or be involved in things you shouldn't be involved in. I mean, it's up to you. Hmm? Do you know it's possible to yield to the Holy Spirit in the morning and the devil in the afternoon? Hmm? Some of you look at me funny. Go to Matthew 16. Let me prove it to you. In Matthew 16, you see such a clear example of this. Peter and the other disciples were there with Jesus. In verse 13, Matthew 16, 13, Jesus said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They begin to say, Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, verse 17, and he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. How did he get that? 
How did he know that? See, Jesus, I mean, took time to say, you didn't get that on your own, right? Was he yielding to the Spirit of God when he said that? Yeah. Well, skip down just a few verses in verse 21. I mean, that's not very far away from verse 17, is it? <laughs> Jesus began to tell them that he is going to suffer many things and uh, that the elders and chief priests and scribes were going to uh, cause him to suffer many things. He's going to be killed and raised the third day. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. And he began to say, be it far from you, Lord, this will not be to you. I mean, Peter <laughs> is way out of line, isn't he? And you know, that can happen. People get used of God, and now they think they know it all. You ever seen anything like that? God used somebody. Maybe use them to minister a healing to somebody. Use them, give them a word, give them a revelation. And now they think they know more than everybody else. And that's when you're going to fall. Pride goes before a fall. We touched on this last time. Spiritual people, mature people, realize they're not the only ones who have the Holy Ghost. Mature people realize other people know God besides me. Other people have the Spirit besides me. And uh, when you see people getting all bent out of shape, because we talked about that. In fact... Uh, just hold your place. Go back to 1 Corinthians 2. Hold your place in Matthew, please. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. He said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual. Couldn't talk to you like spiritual people. But I had to talk to you as unto carnal, fleshly people. Even unto babes as unto babes in Christ. Now, you, you hear me using these phrases, but you see, that's not just me talking. He uses the word spiritual in connection with the idea of maturity. And he uses the word carnal in connection with being a baby. Well, babies are fleshy. Just natural babies, aren't they? Little babies, what do they think about? <laughs> they are pretty much completely centered on their comfort and what they feel. And if they're hungry, they're going to let everybody know about it. If they don't, they're not comfortable, they're going to let everybody know about it. If they're sleepy, they're going to let everybody know about it. Well, you can be 50 years old and be a baby spiritually. Hmm? And when you're oblivious to how everybody feels and what's going on with everybody else, and your main deal is to make sure everybody knows what's going on with you, and you think you're the only one that knows anything, and you think you're the only one that's got a life and anything's going on with, I mean, next time you're tempted to be impatient and you're standing in a long checkout line, remember, all those people have lives too. They all have things they want to do too. All those people on the road, they want to get to the show too. Right? All these people are in my way. Well, <laughs> that's being a baby. Isn't that being a baby? Yeah. Let's grow up. How many have a desire to grow up? You want to grow up? Oh, I do. I know I've grown some, but I know I've got a lot more growing I can do. Amen? What is full maturity? Full maturity is being just like our master. Amen. The Lord. I mentioned to you last week the book by Dr. Kenneth Hagin, Growing Up Spiritually. 
I recommend that. If you don't have that, you might want to get that. But growing up spiritually, if you hadn't read that, it'll help you. But he said being carnal, he compared it to being a baby. Keep reading. He said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as in the carnal, babies in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with meat. Milk is good. Oh, yeah. I mean, First Peter said, uh, you know, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Babies need milk. You can't feed babies T-bone steaks. <laughs> They'll choke. Hmm? And good ministers and Christians who have some maturity won't try to stuff a T-bone steak down a spiritual baby's mouth. Hmm? You need to know who you're talking to. And you talk to babies differently than you do those that are more mature. But how many glad you're not still just drinking milk? Huh? How many glad you're eating some solid food? Well, you'd be missing out if you're still drinking milk. Only. Hmm? How many believe God has some really wonderful things in the meat of the word? But you have to grow. And you have to develop to get to where you can handle these. He can't even give it to you till you grow up past some of the babyhood and childhood stages. He sa- And he begins to define how he knows they're carnal. Verse 3, for you are yet carnal. He just says it. You're a carnal bunch. He's talking to the whole church at Corinth. He's telling the whole church, you're a carnal bunch. You're a bunch of babies. He's not just trying to call them names. It was a fact. It's where they are. And he says, this is how I know. For where is there is among you envying, strife, divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as mere men? And without going into it, we talked about that somehow, that this is one of the big areas, one of the major areas, that you can tell where people are carnal or spiritual. Carnal people fuss and fight. They argue and they are cliquish. And they pick up, they join this group. I'm with this group, not with this one. Well, we're this and that's the only one we are. You know, sometimes there are people in Christian circles. They'll try to, if they don't just come right out and say it, well, if you fellowship with them, you can't fellowship with us. That type deal. Well, they just cut me off. Did you hear me? I don't care what your tag is. I don't care what your denominational background is. If you love God, you're okay with me. Amen. Amen. And we don't have to agree about everything. I'll fellowship with you where we can. Amen. Amen. How many understand, he goes on to say in these same chapters, he said, some of you are saying, well, I'm of Paul's bunch. Another one says, I'm a Paulus bunch. Somebody else said, well, yeah, I'm Peter's bunch. Somebody said, well, I'm not any of y'all. I'm just Jesus bunch. Well, they were just as carnal as the rest of them. Did you hear me? Because they're saying, we're not part of you. We're above all y'all. We're just Jesus. Well, no. Everybody that's legitimately saved, everybody that really loves the Lord, amen, Amen. loves the Bible, loves redemption, honors and respects the blood, everybody that's looking for him to come back again, amen, Amen, and calls him Lord, that's our brothers, that's our sisters. You know, we may not agree on every little old thing, but who said we were right about every little old thing? 
Nobody you know is right about everything. Y'all got quiet on that one. Why? Because we only know in part. But what about the parts we don't know? We could be wrong about some of that. Based on what we don't know. No, no. It shows carnality. When you can't make it without fussing. And arguing. And fighting. And that starts right in the house. Hmm? You can't go all week with having a knockdown, drag out fight uh, with your spouse. You're carnal. Both of you are. I don't care how much you pray in tongues. I don't care how many scriptures you quote. You're carnal. You're spiritual babies. Well, so well, you don't have to live with them. You couldn't stand to me. <laughs> it's been my observation that most people deserve each other. And it takes two. Hmm? To have a big blowout. Hmm? Help, Lord. Aren't you glad the children are gone? Uh, it's just a fact. If you can't get along with people on the job, you can't get along with your family, you can't get along with people at the church, you are carnal. You need to grow up. Because when you grow up, you learn that a lot of this stuff that people think they have to make an issue out of, you don't have to make an issue out of. You learn that you don't have to try to straighten everybody out. You are not the Holy Ghost police. <laughs> and you begin to realize that, you know, a lot of people are not ready for you. You are not the one God can use to minister to them. And he does have other people besides you that he can use to minister to your family and friends. And as you begin to grow up spiritually, you just begin to relax. You begin to have some peace. And you learn to not say everything you think. And you learn you don't have to have a snappy comeback for everything that somebody says. And you learn, like the proverb says, contention... It's like when water begins to seep out of a dam. When it first starts, how many know when you got a little crack in the dam, that's the time to fix it. Right then, when you first see that little spurt, you see that little drop, come, fix it now. Right? Don't wait till that thing really starts to break open. And you can tell if you got any spiritual discernment, you can tell when the things are beginning to get a little tense. Huh? It's a little bit uncomfortable now in this conversation. What do we do? Well, God will give you wisdom if you don't have to say your deal. Huh? If you can get a hold of your flesh and pull it back, God will give you wisdom. And you'll learn to say the right thing. And the Bible says, you know, that a kind word, that a gentle word, this is the Keith Moore translation, it'll diffuse a situation. It will. But you get hard, and it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And it's your attitude, and people come across so superior, and so holier than thou, and judgmental. Well, you just, you'll blow the thing wide open, you'll make your relatives where they don't want to be around you. Do you hear me? And you'll blame it on you being a Christian, and it ain't got nothing to do with you being a Christian. It's got to do with you not being spiritual, not being mature enough. You know, with our family, thank the Lord. You know, I, I won't tell you I did everything perfect. When I was first saved, I made some mistakes. I tried to show people some things in the Word they didn't want to see and hear and, and made it uncomfortable. 
I remember some of my friends, uh, some of my relatives, their family member was near death with cancer, and I had seen people healed in my own ministry already, but I was very, very young in ministry, and I just knew that they could see this and be healed, and I came and tried to show them and tried to show them and didn't have enough sense to realize they don't want to hear this. They didn't want to see this. And I thought, yeah, but you don't have to die. And my heart was right, but I, I wasn't being sensitive enough to the Holy Ghost to realize they don't want to hear this. And I pushed it a little too much, and they got uncomfortable with me. And so eventually I shut up. But you know what I did? I grew about five years. I came back to them and apologized. Somebody said, for telling them about healing? No, not for that. For the way I came across. Healing was right, is right. Amen? But I didn't have enough maturity to realize they didn't want to hear this. And it wasn't appropriate. And I should have just loved them where I could. Amen. Minister to them. You know, you can always minister to somebody's spirit, even though they may not allow you to minister to their body. And you can always love on people. Let them know you care about them. So, I mean, I made some mistakes in these areas. That's how I know some of these things. But as you learn and as you grow, you're not so abrasive. Amen. You have peace. He said, you're carnal because there's envy and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? One translation says mere men because they were choosing and picking. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. Let's refuse to do that. Hmm? Treat everybody wonderful. Amen. You don't have to find out what camp they're of before you can be nice to them. Do you? No. You know, man, we got all kind of camps represented just in, in us and our staff and the people that's in the church. I mean, I've, I got a Pentecostal and a Baptist and a Church of God background, Phyllis's Catholic background. And my guys that work for me are, they're from all kind of places and all kind of backgrounds. We love everybody. And you come up and tell me I'm a faith man. I'm a charismatic. That don't mean a thing to me. Hmm? That doesn't mean you're automatically in with me. I want to know your heart. Amen. Do you really love God? Are you really serious? I don't care how many scriptures you can quote, how many confessions you make. Do you really love God? Are you really serious about serving God? Amen. How many agree it doesn't make any difference what your background is? Do you know the Lord? Do you love him really with all your heart? Are you serious about living for him and serving him? That's what matters. If you got that, I'm on your side. Amen. Amen. Me and you buds already. If you really love him. Anybody really love any friend of his? It's a friend of mine. That's the way it is. So the first big area that you see how you know yourself or anybody else is carnal is what? Strife, division, fussing, fighting, arguing. That's being carnal. Spiritual people don't act like that. Spiritual people get along. They find ways to get along. They find ways to, you know, not make things an issue if they don't have to be an issue. Well, secondly, you see as he gets into this writing in 1 Corinthians, you just skip over just a page or so. We were at 1 Corinthians 3. And I know you still got Matthew, but uh, I'm not ready to talk about that right now. You skip right on over to the fifth chapter. 
And he starts talking about fornication, doesn't he? Have you ever done a study on fornication in the Bible? It's a lot in the Bible. It's a whole lot in the New Testament about fornication. We don't need to be afraid to talk about these things, do we? That's part of the reason why the church in some areas is not in good shape is because people, they don't even want to deal with human sexuality. They don't even want to talk about desires. They think, oh, no, no, if you're holy, you don't even bring those things up. Have you read the Bible? (laughs) God brings it up and he talks about it very explicitly. He gets into the detail. Why? God is real. And real Christianity deals with real life. Amen. Amen. And there is so much junk in the world about human sexuality until, I mean, most Christians you meet are just pretty much confused about the whole deal. And people are either too loose or else wise they just think that anything related to sex has to be uh, bad and wicked. What does the Bible say? Do you do understand what we're doing in these Friday lessons, these Friday services? What the Lord is doing and what I'm endeavoring to do, what I'm believing and asking you to believe with us to do and pray, we're believing for a foundation. Amen. God is laying a foundation in this church family. Amen. And reading the Bible is part of it. See, we're reading these scriptures and we're talking about them. Because real Christians want to know what God said. And real Christians want to do what he said. And what we're endeavoring to do is to understand what he told us is his will and his way and then practice it as best we know how. There are only two foundations for life. Two foundations, uh, different ones you can build your life on. Number one, what he said, what God said. Number two, everything else. Men's ideas. And if you don't know what he said, then you won't even know, realize that your life is built on men's ideas. And your values and your standards are just men's concepts. Let's seriously question and examine everything we believe. Is it Bible? Hmm? Is it the Word? Now, he talks about fornication. And again, all children under the age of 13 should be out of here by now. Because I'm going to talk about some of these things uh, pointedly. The Bible does. Verse 1. 1 Corinthians 5, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you, Paul says. The Spirit of God says through Paul. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Didn't say he married his father's wife, which would be terrible anyhow. He is cohabiting. He's living with his stepmother. Now, That's not even that bizarre in today's society, is it? What did the Lord say about this? What did he tell him to do? He told this church to get this out, and he didn't mean maybe. He said, basically, I'm going to paraphrase it now, and you go back and read it carefully, see if that's what it said. He said, why haven't you already done something about this? Why have you let this go? 
Now we're going to read the Bible tonight, okay? And then what are we going to do in our life? We're going to do the Bible. You do understand this is not popular, what we're reading. People will try to tell you all kind of things are okay. No, this man is living with his stepmother. And verse 2, he said, you're puffed up. And you've not rather mourned, he said, the whole church ought to be repentant, that he that has done this deed might be taken from among you. And he went on to talk about the judgment concerning him. And if you read Second Corinthians, you'll find that when they got this letter, they did put these guys out. They put them out of the church. And he warns them, he said, verse 6, he said, don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? What's he talking about? If you don't deal with this, it'll spread through the whole church. People will think that this is okay. Now, see, some people, if this would be me doing this in this church today, they go, oh, now, Brother Keith, where's your love? Where's your Christian love? I mean, you can't put them out of the church. You can't tell them they can't be involved. Now, see, that's people who don't understand what love is. Love will do what's best for you, whether you like it or not. Hmm? And these people that are in this situation, they're not married. He's taken his father's wife and living with her, having relations with her. They are deceived. And not only that, see, they are coming to church and maybe involved in different areas of the church and puffed up. He said, they're acting like ain't nothing wrong with this. And you go on reading and see that they're talking about, we're not under the law. All things are legal for us. We're not under bondage. And you can also see that they must have been talking about, well, it's just the body. You know, the body, you know, I think the deal is the spirit that's the deal. And this stuff we do in the body don't really matter. It does matter. I said it does matter. Spiritual people control their bodies. Did you hear me? Spiritual people control their desires. Hold your place here and go to 1 Thessalonians, please. 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter and verse 3. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. He said, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians, right? Would you have to tell Christians, don't be involved in fornication? <laughs> yeah, he did. Right? The church at Corinth was a church. They were a saved, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, gifts of the Spirit in Operation Church. And he told the whole bunch of them, you're carnal. Didn't he? And then they had this in the midst too. People living with each other, not married. Incest type situations. People that's supposed to be saved. He said, abstain from fornication. Now the word fornication, if you look it up, it's the word we get our word porno from. Porno or pornography. 
And it has to do with everything. It's a big word. Fornication is a big word. It covers a lot of territory. It covers everything that has to do with, uh, what's the word, illegitimate, improper sexual activities. It covers everything that has to do with nudity and desire. And let me just say this right now. Nudity is not okay. I've had people tell me, well, yeah, but now you know, but actually I had a, in a men's conference one time, Phyllis took the ladies and I took the men and we, it was a marriage conference. We were talking about some of these things very pointedly. And this one fellow said, well, you know, God made the human body and it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, cause he wanted to look at these, uh, magazines with these naked women in them. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they wouldn't say it, but they're doing it too. They think, well, you know, in the privacy of my home, it's my business what I do. And he said, these women are beautiful and God made the human body and what's wrong with me looking? Everything. I said everything. Everything. Why? Some things are supposed to be private. Hmm? And your body is one of them. Your body is not supposed to be exposed. Other people outside of your spouse are not supposed to see your body. And you're not supposed to see other people's bodies exposed. Now in today's society, exposure is everywhere, isn't it? Virtually every movie, almost all the secular TV programs, I mean, somebody's going to get their clothes off. And do you know why there's such a bombardment of this? Because the enemy wants to desensitize us to it. So that we get to the place where we think, well, you know, I mean, it's just the human body. Everybody's seen the human body, you know. No, it is not okay. It's not remotely okay. We have, God has given us desires. Did you hear me? And these desires can be strong. And when a married man and a married woman, a man and a wife, when they see each other naked, they're supposed to have desires. Did you hear me? It's normal. It's natural. And those desires are supposed to be strong for each other. And when you see that person naked, you're supposed to have a strong desire. It's normal. It's natural. But when you see somebody else naked, it stirs those desires for them. And that's wrong. And when people say, yeah, but you know, I, I, I look at these pictures of these other women and it stirs me up and then I want my wife. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Absolutely no way. It stirs you up to want them the ones you're looking at, and then you take this other person as a substitute. And that's an insult to them. Did you hear me? And it's ungodly, and it's being completely carnal. It's not okay. And if you have any smarts, you will not subject yourself to looking at naked people. Because you'll just cause yourself all kind of problems. What you'll do is you'll stir yourself up sexually. People say, well, I don't believe that. You know, I mean, if you get spiritual enough, you don't you don't have desires like that. I don't even believe a word of that. 
If you're a man, you're a woman, you're normal and you're healthy, you have desires. These desires must be controlled. Are you with me? And there's a a spiritual law, a spiritual principle. If you feed a desire, it grows. If you feed it, it's going to get stronger. And we've got people, friend, especially with the advent of the Internet, we got Christians, we got preachers that every night spend hours online looking at other people's nakedness. It's a fact. I mean, it is, what's the term I'm looking for? It's an epidemic. It is a major problem. And I tell you, just getting ready this evening, the Lord said some things to me that disturbed me. I caught a glimpse in my spirit of where this thing is going. And it's Sodom and Gomorrah and worse is where this whole thing is headed. It's awful. It's awful. People say, well, you know, what two consenting adults do between each other, that's their business, and it doesn't hurt anybody. That's one of the biggest lies you ever heard in your life. It hurts everybody. It hurts them, and it hurts all their families. You cannot tell me that two people can have sexual relations, and it mean nothing, and just leave, and it doesn't affect them. It's just they're just having fun. It does hurt you. It scars you. You're not supposed to have relationships with people you don't love, and they don't love you, and there's no future. It hurts you. Yeah, it hurts you. Sex between a husband and wife is supposed to be a beautiful thing. It's supposed to be an amazing thing. And yet it's been so twisted and perverted in the world that everything associated with sex has a dirty connotation. We must get our minds renewed. Amen. Amen. With the word of God. And I'm telling you, we, you will definitely be swimming upstream in today's society. People will call you a prude and square and old fogey and you don't know and you ain't with it. But listen, it's either right or it's wrong. And either it's every man for himself and whatever he thinks right or else there is a standard. There is a standard. Amen. Got to make up your mind. Are you going to hold to the standard? Don't look at people's nakedness. Let me just, I need to dwell on that a little bit more. If you're not sure about this, get in your Bible. Get the concordance out. Look up every scripture on nakedness. You must say, well, God made them naked in the beginning. No, he didn't. Mm-mm. How did they know they were naked after the fall? Something changed. Hmm? And who put clothes on them? Hmm? They put some leaves on their self. God made them some clothes out of animal skins. Now, what do the animal rights activists do about that? The ones that want to spray paint the fur coats. Hmm? Who made the fur skin coats? Why didn't the Lord tell them, hey, I made you naked. You're beautiful. You don't need no clothes. Just be naked. And you ought to read how many times the Lord tells them, you will not look on this one's nakedness. And you'll not look on this one's nakedness. I mean, the priest, you know, they wore skirts in those days. 
And he even commanded them, they couldn't build certain kind of steps going up to the altar lest somebody look up their skirt. I'm telling you, it's always been that way. You got no business looking at somebody else's nakedness. And nobody else has got any business seeing your nakedness. It's not something for you to be ashamed of. It's something for you to be private about. Amen. Not ashamed of your body, not ashamed and embarrassed to be naked with your spouse, but it's something that is so very precious and private. Amen. Are y'all okay so far? All right. Keep reading. First Thessalonians four. He said, this is the will of God. What's the will of God? Your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. as talking about your body. In sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence. Even as the Gentiles which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. as talking about adultery and all that kind of stuff. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such. Hmm? You heard a man? By sleeping with his wife and hurt their kids and hurt their, their business and their ministry and everything else or vice versa. You hurt a woman by sleeping with her man and her kids. God is the avenger of these kind of things. He takes it personally and judgment is waiting on you. I know those are strong words, but when I have to say them, it's what the Bible says. It's serious, serious business. It's not just a one-night stand. It's not just a fling. It's not just a romp in the bed. No, you have been a traitor. You violated trust. Sacred trusts. I mean, would it be okay for me to have two or three mistresses on the side? Pastor this church? <laughs> I think I heard a strong no over here. Would it be? Is it any more okay for you? In the congregation. Huh? Uh Uh-uh. Now here's the thing. People act like, well, you know, they act like they never even think about these things. Anybody, any man, any woman, that's normal and healthy, can look at another, any man can look at another woman that's beautiful and find her attractive. Don't care if you're married and got ten kids. But here's the thing. What are you going to do with that? Hmm? Thought crosses your mind. Boy, she's beautiful. Okay, now what comes next? Here's the deal, right? That's no, There's nothing bizarre about that. Any woman could look at a man and go, he's good looking. Whew, he's handsome. And then the enemy will come and try to, what would it be like to be with them? You should never get there. You should never take that step, right? If you do, and see, people think, well, you know, as long as, uh, you know, as long as you're just looking, that's okay. No, it ain't okay. What do you mean looking? Looking and imagining. No, Jesus said to do that, you've committed adultery already in your heart. You made the decision to fantasize about it and imagine it. And see, the problem is you meditate on it long enough, you will do it. It's a spiritual law. You keep feeding on it and thinking about it, you'll get to the place where you'll try to do it. It's a spiritual law. It works good and it works bad, depending on what you're thinking on. 
No, thoughts will come. Thing is, the moment it does, you just realize this is something I cannot entertain. I cannot think about this. I can't help it. That's a lie. That's a lie. And if you cut it off right there, you just cut it off. Don't feed it. Don't entertain it. Don't fantasize. Don't meditate. Even half some people supposed to be Christians would tell you how to spice up your marriage is by fantasizing about other people. People supposed to be Christians say stuff like this. Absolutely not okay. No. Now here's what I was going to say about nudity. Would it be okay for you to go to somebody's house where a husband and wife in the privacy of their own bedroom are in there naked? Would it be all right for you to go and look in the window and look at them to see if they're taking their clothes off? Hmm? Or what would we call that? I mean, they have laws against that kind of thing, don't they? What if somebody else went and took a video camera and taped it and then brought it back? Would it be okay for you to watch that tape? Is it different? Is it different to watch it on a tape than to stand in the door and look? You're seeing the same thing. But do you understand that people feel like, well, it ain't the same. I mean, I'm watching it on the big screen and I'm watching it. Well, it'd be just like going to somebody's house. And looking in the window. There are just some things you got no business seeing. Right? <laughs> Didn't know he was going to have this much fun tonight, did you? <laughs> now, I could go on, and I think you know that, but how many are clear you got no business looking on other folks' nakedness? And other people got no business seeing your nakedness? It's Bible. You even need to be particular about what kind of swimsuit you wear and everything. Right? Because a lot of times it's just, you're almost there, you know, naked. And you need to be conscientious about, you know, the Bible talks about women's wear specifically. And, you know, apparently men are even more affected by what they see than women. I mean, there's many scriptures in the Bible about men and their eyes. And uh, so women are instructed to dress modestly. That doesn't mean ugly. (laughs) Modest is not the same as ugly. Right? It's amazing how some people made that jump. But how many realize some things are too short? Some things are too tight? Some things are too low? And you might think, well, that don't bother me to wear it. Yeah, but what about all the guys around that are seeing you? Why give them something they have to deal with? And besides that, why are you wanting to draw attention to that part of your anatomy anyway? Why would you want anybody looking? And that's all I'll say about that right now. <laughs> Verse 4, that every one of you should know how to what? Possess his vessel with what? Sanctification means separation and what? Honor. Now, here's one of the big things that the enemy has undermined in our present society. Do you realize that among uh, 
oh, even earlier than junior high, and particularly high school and especially college age young people, that it is a reproach to be a virgin in popular society. It's like, what's wrong with you? You're too ugly or you're too this or that. Nobody wants you. You're already 18 and you haven't had sex yet. You do understand. That is how it is in society. That it's something to be, and I'm not just talking about hearsay. You, I've seen it. You see it in kids' eyes. They're embarrassed that their other friends would find out they're a virgin at 15. That shows you how deceived and twisted the world mentality is and how it's filtrated, infiltrated the church. It's the other way around. I said it's the other way around. It's not an embarrassment that you haven't had sex before marriage. It's an embarrassment that you have. Why? It's because of a lack of control. Anybody can jump into bed with anybody. There's nothing special to do that. Does it? Anybody can yield to your uh, emotion, your desires. Anybody can do that. That's being weak. It takes strength, doesn't it? No matter what your feelings are. You know, mm -mm, no, this is a line we don't cross. And you possess your body with separation, sanctification, and honor. One reason why kids right and left and all ages are having sex with each other, it's ridiculous, is because they don't have not a clue how valuable their body is. Somebody show them a little attention and they think, well, you know, they're the only one that really cares about me. And they said, if I care about them, then I'll have sex with them. They're treating their body like it's nothing. Your body is precious. I said, your body is precious. You've got to treat it. People say, well, you think you're too good for me? Yeah, too good for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your body is precious. You need to know the value of your own body. Amen? Because, well, it's just sex. No, it ain't just sex. It's you treating your body like it's nothing. And we need to call things what the Bible calls them. Well, they're just free spirit and they're just experimenting in life. The Bible says they're a whore. Hmm? He says, well, no, they're just gay. Bible says sodomite. Well, they're just weak and they've had an affair. Adulterer. And the Bible speaks of severe judgment for these. Why? Not just because of a lapse in the flesh. It's because these things destroy people's lives. They destroy families. They destroy children. They destroy people's lives. And God in His justice has to deal with this. He has to. Now, uh, while y'all are excited about this, let's go <laughs> to 1 Corinthians. Now, we've been reading 1 Corinthians, right? Yep. Huh? Yep. And I've been talking about what we've been reading, right? 
This is wasn't just my idea. This is God's idea. In 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, and verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Now let me just stop right there. Adultery and idolatry are connected all through the Bible. Because idolatry is spiritual adultery. That's what it is. It's being intimate with a false god. And adultery is being intimate with somebody else other than your spouse. Idolatry is being intimate with some other supposed deity other than your God. Nobody else has a right to intimacy with you. Nobody except your spouse. No other so-called God has a right to intimacy with you except your, the Lord God. Amen? Do you understand that it's the same thing on a natural level to have an affair with somebody's wife or husband as it is for you to go and worship a false god? It's the same thing physically that's happening spiritually when people worship false gods. And see, worship, actually, I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but worship parallels sex in the marriage bed. Because you open your heart and you're honest and you bear your soul before God and you worship Him from your heart. And in marriage, when you bear yourself, your body, and you open your soul and heart to them, and you have the closest of intimacy, see, it's a parallel. And how many understand that should never be with a stranger? Just like it should never be with a false god. And people are so confused. And they've been so deceived and they think, well, it's just the body and it's just that we just have desires and we're just having fun and we're enjoying life and that's what God made the body for. Absolutely a lie. Amen. It's a lie. It's a lie. Keep reading. He said, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. What's he talking about here? Homosexuality. Is homosexuality an acceptable alternate lifestyle? Huh? We are inundated by the media, by the government, by secular programming, telling us that we are small-minded and we're prejudiced unless we say homosexuality and lesbianism is okay. Is it okay? How do we know if it's okay or not? What do we use to decide? Because see, people are telling us. They're saying, well, they can't help it. They're born like that. And this is the big issue. Is it a choice? Or is it a predestination? Hmm? Is it? 
People will tell us no. People will tell us, well, I'm a woman in a man's body. I don't want to be like this. But I can't help it. I don't want a woman. I want a man. I'm repulsed by a woman. I can't help it. I'd like to be. You hear people say, I'd like to be a heterosexual. But I can't. Can't help it. I've tried to be. This is not true. Did you hear me? It is deception and it is confusion. Think about some of the most prominent homosexual, lesbian people in our news and in our uh, the movie stars and, and this was that. I mean, some, some of the most prominent ones a few years ago were lesbians. Now they've decided they're not. Huh? Some of the most prominent ones were homosexual and now they've they're married to a woman. How did that happen? If you were set that way on the inside, how could that happen? You know it's happening. You've heard it. I mean, they they tell us about it on the news. Are y'all okay? Somebody said, yeah, I know what. I can't stand that. Listen, it's in exactly the same category as premarital sex and adultery. Did you hear me? It's yielding to desires. Any one of us, now I know this is hard for you to believe, but any one of us could become homosexual or lesbian. You might say, you don't know me, ain't no way. Yeah, and you don't know how the flesh is. You start yielding to the flesh and there's no end. I mean, today it's five women. Next month is ten. And next year, you've got to try something different. Did you hear me? And it, there is no end. The eyes of man are never satisfied. And you cannot satisfy the lust of the flesh. You'd get to the place where you'd do things you never imagined you would do. You'd be involved and feel things and you'll have desires you never thought you would. It's that way with chemicals. It's that way with the fleshly desires. Here's the big question. Do our desires define us? Do our desires determine what we are? The answer is no. The answer is no. If it does, then let's say a man has a desire for somebody else's wife. And he says, well, I can't fight it. I have this desire. I can't say I don't want them because I want them. Then what do you have to say? Just admit, I'm an adulterer. I just have to admit it. That's the same thing as a person saying, I have a desire for the same sex. And so I just have to admit it. This is what I am. No, it's a desire you fed and you've let grow. Do teenagers that have a desire for each other before they're married... Do they have to yield to that? Do married people, that a desire would come up for somebody else's spouse, do they have to yield to that? No, they do not. If you had a desire for a person of the same sex, do you have to yield to that? No, you do not. Our desires do not determine what we are. The Word tells us what we are. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Now, just knowing my spirit, some people didn't like that just then. 
But you've got to make up your mind. Are you the authority? Is secular society the authority? Or is this book the authority? Hmm? The word effeminate, it means part of what you think it means. Cross-dressing, women dress, I mean men dressing like women, acting like women. I like what Brother Hagin says about it. He said a man ought to look like a man. He ought to walk like a man. He ought to talk like a man. He ought to smell like a man. He ought to be a man. How many agree? A woman ought to look like a woman. Talk like a woman. Walk like a woman. Dress like a woman. Smell like a woman. Amen? People ought not look at you from across the room and go, Is that a man or a woman? I don't know what I am. No, you just don't want to agree with what you are. It's already been decided for you. Right? So what you are physically doesn't mean you're a man. Yes, it most certainly does mean you're a man or a woman. Now, you know, look at me. I'm a man. I would never make a decent woman. You could spend all kind of money on me, buy me all kind of clothes and makeup. Huh? I would never make a decent woman, so I ain't going to try. I'm going to glory in being a man. I'm a man. I can be a good man. Right? Be what you're created to be. Somebody said, well, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. How did that happen? I'm serious now. People believe this. How did that happen? What was, you know, the angels matching the spirits with the bodies on the assembly line? And it was a Monday and they weren't paying attention. And, and you know, they put a, a woman in a man's body and somebody at quality control said, hey, 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 is a, is a woman in a man? They said, ah, just let it go. Just let it go. That's acting like there's no creator. Hmm? It's acting like God made mistakes with you. Somebody says, you yeah, but you don't understand. I have these desires. I just got through telling you. Your desires do not define what you are. Any of us could start feeding any manner of desires. Now, it is being crammed on us to accept lesbianism and homosexuality as a normal alternate lifestyle. You know what the Lord told me this afternoon? What's coming next? He said, this is what's coming next. It's already in the works. It's not popular right now. But a few years ago, you this wasn't popular. A few years ago, you would have never heard things said that are said now about men with men and women with women. He said, this is what's coming next. Sex between adults and children. He said, the enemy is already working in this area to make it acceptable. Do you know in previous civilizations, it was acceptable? It was accepted. Now see, I mean, I can see from the reactions of a lot of you thinking, oh, that's ridiculous. That's what people thought 50 years ago about some of the things that are happening right now. And let's just 
People say, well, it's prejudice. You're prejudiced against me. And they compare it to being prejudiced against somebody about their color. Absolutely no comparison. No comparison between somebody's skin color and somebody's sexual lifestyle. None of us had anything to do with what color we are. All of us have everything to do with our sex life. Everything to do. Hold your place here and go to Romans. I'm commencing to get ready to start to close. I didn't get as far as I thought I would tonight. Romans 1 is actually where I want you to go. I said, well, you, you hate homosexuals. Absolutely not. Any more than I hate adulterers or that I hate teenagers that have premarital sex. Absolutely not. But I'm the daddy of this family. Amen. And daddies need to stand up in the family and say, this is what the Bible said. This is right and this is wrong. Yeah, but daddy, we're in love. I don't care. This is not okay. You cannot do this unless you want to sin and reap terrible results. Don't take it out of context. The Bible links them together. It links homosexuality, lesbianism, premarital sex, adultery. It puts it all together. What is it? It's not controlling your body. It's yielding to desires that are wrong. It's all the same. So don't gasp at one and think the other's kind of sort of okay. No, it's all the same in principle. When is sex okay? How many different scenarios and situations? Only one. I said only one. Anybody confused about this? How many situations is sex good and okay? Only one situation between a man and a woman that are married. Before God. Amen. Preferably before their families. Somebody says, well, we, we are married in the eyes of the Lord, but we've never been uh, legally married. Who said you were married in the eyes of the Lord? And you've never been legally married. Who said that? If people are not willing to stand up in front of the Lord, in front of their ministers, in front of their families, and express their commitments to each other, it's questionable whether they're there. Whether their commitments are there. Marriage involves not just two people, two families. In our day and age, people try to say that ain't so. It is so. It's always been so. You're not just marrying a person. You're marrying into a family. It's supposed to be a great thing. (laughs) Amen? A good thing. Romans 1. Lord, help us out. Romans 1, it says... Verse 22, they professed themselves to be wise and they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. To dishonor, to do what? See, we're to hold our bodies in sanctification and the word honor means value. That's one of the definitions. Value. When you value your body, you don't take your clothes off for just anybody. Hmm? You don't let just anybody touch you. You value your body. It's precious. Amen? 
And this intimacy is to be reserved for just that one special person. Now, I know people have made mistakes, and, and I'm, we're not talking about being condemned for mistakes you've made in the past. But just understand it wasn't okay. But if you've repented, God forgives. He cleanses. He washes. And if you're washed, you're washed. If you're clean, you're clean. But we're talking about today. What you do today. And how you're going to live today and how you're going to live tomorrow. Hmm? And this is not just for us here tonight. I had this in my heart this afternoon. The Lord's going to use you to talk to some people about some of these things. And I hope you've been paying attention. You need to know where these scriptures are. You need to know so that you're prepared so that you can sit down with somebody, not in condemnation, not trying to judge them, not trying to make them feel bad or guilty, but just tell them what's right. Hmm? Tell them what's right. Tell them what's the word. Keep reading. He said, God gave them up because that's the way they wanted it, to uncleanness through the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies between themselves. They changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this cause God gave them up to what? Vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. What is that? Women with women. That's unnatural. (laughs) Oh man. Anybody remember Brother Lester Sumrall? He did an interview one time with a guy who was the head of a gay rights organization. He he wanted airtime. He said, okay, come on. Had him on his show. Oh, man. That guy was wanting to get out of there before he got through. You know, Brother Sumrall's very... Blunt and very straightforward. I mean, and so he finally, he said, he, God made his feel and he said, uh, so you have sex with men. He said, how do you do that? <laughs> the guy said, well, he said, no, tell us, tell us, how do you do that? And the guy's like, I don't know. He said, and then, I mean, he said, what if all the pigs were like you? We wouldn't have any more bacon. He said, what if all, the roosters and chickens are like you. What if all the cows? I mean, he went on and on. Well, he was very blunt about it, but how many understand it's unnatural? Right? It is unnatural. This is not my words. That's not his word. That's the Bible's words. This is unnatural. He goes on to say, and likewise also the men. Leaving the natural use. See, men and women are natural. Now, you still got to control your desire. Because it's not just any man or any woman. But he goes on to say, Men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Is he saying that homosexuality is okay? Lesbianism is okay? It's not okay. Premarital sex is not okay. Adultery is not okay. Watching other people get naked is not okay. Right? Are we clear on this? 
How many understand spiritual people don't do this? Amen. Carnal people that are ruled by their flesh. And the problem is people will do this and then they go through all these mental gymnastics why it's okay. They try to tell you, well, it's just the body and the body doesn't matter. I didn't get into it, but if you read 1 Corinthians 6, he said, what? Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Are you going to take your, the temple of the Holy Ghost and join it to a prostitute, he said? He said, God forbid. Very strong. I mean, if you didn't get it clear when you read it the first time, go back and read that again. 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 and 7. I said, well, you're against Gays and lesbians, no. Any more than I'm against teenagers that have premarital sex. Or any more that I'm against adults that have commit adultery. I'm not against people. But it's not okay. Hmm? It's not okay. We've got to hold the standard of the Bible. We've got to hold the standard of the Word. Now, First uh, Timothy 5, real quick. 1 Timothy 5. Let me leave you with this because we have some single people that need to have this in your thinking. 1 Timothy 5. The Holy Ghost through Paul writing to Timothy in verse 1. 1 Timothy 5, 1. He says, rebuke not an elder. How many of you don't know your elders should be treated with respect? I don't care how off they are. Uh, be careful about you thinking you can rebuke them. But entreat him How? As a father and the younger men, how do you treat them? His brothers and the elder women, how do you treat them? Like mothers and the younger women, how do you treat them? As sisters, now he adds a phrase, as sisters with all purity. Do you understand that so much of what is considered normal in dating today is actually supposed to be foreplay in the marriage bed? Hmm? Let me say that again. So much of what is happening in dating today is not right. It's designed to be foreplay in the marriage bed. For people say, well, what's okay in, in uh, dating? Here's the standard. Hmm? Ladies, how should you treat that man? Like a brother. Is that right? Men, how should you treat that lady? Like your sister. Would you sit with your sister in a parked car and kiss her on the mouth for 15 minutes? Hmm? Then should you do that with that young lady that you're on the date with? Hmm? Whew. Huh? I'm telling you how to not get trouble. I'm telling you how to not have problems. So I say, well, we're going to be married. That's exactly the same as not being married. Going to be married is exactly the same as not being. How many people were going to be married and never were? You're not married till you're married. And until you're married, you don't treat them like a spouse. You treat them like a brother or sister and you know where the line is. Amen. And if you'll honor that, then you won't. Be crying in front of somebody's desk, counseling, going, oh, it just happened. It was just bigger than the both of us. Yeah, yeah. Not so. I know I used to teach in the Bible school, and uh, we had a rule 
about no public display of affection. And they told us as instructors, now if you see these guys hugged up and kissing and all this, you have to say something to them. Well, I went back to my office one day after teaching, and my office had a window that faced the parking lot. And I was sitting there resting just a minute before lunch, and I was looking out the window, and man, this young guy and this young gal, they're standing by his car, and you talk about some serious smooching and hugging. They were doing it. And I thought, well, you know, maybe they'll quit here in a minute. So, But they didn't, and it went on, and finally, you know, they left. And The next day, same thing, right, right in front of my window, right by that car, three days in a row, finally I said, I got to say something. I don't want to, but I got to. So I went out and boy, you talk about kissing and hugging. Whoo, man, it was getting heated around there. I came up and I tapped them on the shoulder and they were not happy to see me. I said, guys, you need to cool it. And they immediately got defensive. So, well, well, we're going to be engaged and we're going to be married. And I said, and I told them what I just told you. That's exactly the same as not being married. You're not married till you're married. And uh, I looked at them and I said, now guys, I said, I know, I know you probably don't want to hear this, but right now, your hormones are raging and talking so loud to you, you couldn't hear what God was saying to you about this relationship if he was talking to you through a PA system. Well, it made them mad. I said, you need to hear from God about this. And right now, your hormones are just drowning everything out. That's all you can hear. That's all you can feel. Because you're feeding them, you're yielding to them, you're stirring them up. Well, they weren't happy about it. But you know, three months later, that young lady came by to see me. And she said, oh, Brother Keith, you made me mad that day. She said, but I couldn't get away from what you said. She said, I got home and that kept going through my mind. You couldn't hear from God about this relationship. If he was talking to you through a PA, your hormones are talking so loud. And she said, I, I began to pray and I thought, man, there's something here. And I talked to him and I said, you know, maybe we ought to cool it some on this. Well, you know, they're supposed to be there training for the ministry. They're supposed to be serious about the things of God. Maybe we should cool it a little bit here and see if our bodies are talking too loud. And let's hear from God. And he got mad. Well, see, that's a sign. Right? Something ain't right. People love you. They respect you. They're not going to pressure you. They're not going to push you. And uh, she said, she finally, she said, no, let's don't see each other for a little bit. Let's just cool it. Let's wait on God and pray about this. And she got to praying and talking to the Lord. He said, absolutely not. He's not the one. And here she is acting like, you know, going through all this physical stuff. And he ain't even going to be her husband. And I said that for our single people tonight. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. I've gone plenty long, maybe a little longer. Oh, thank you, Lord. Some things don't make you shout the moment you hear it. But if you'll do it, you'll shout a lot later. Spiritual people control their desires. Hmm? All of us, thoughts have come to all of us. Feelings have come to all of us. And you know, uh, you need to have this in your mind and in your heart. I will not let my flesh rule me. Hmm? I'm a spiritual man. I'm a spiritual woman. 
And I can look at what I want to look at and not look at what I don't want to look at. I can listen to what I want to listen to and not listen to what I don't want to listen to. I can think on what I want to think on and not think on what I don't want to think on. I, the man, the spirit man on the inside, I control my mind. I control my eyes. I don't let my body control me. I, like I had you turn there, but we didn't look at it. First Corinthians 9, Paul said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Amen. I control it. He said, lest by any means after I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Any of us could start yielding to the flesh. I mean, you know, I could, you could, just I could start yielding to the flesh tomorrow and just start looking at a bunch of stuff I shouldn't and thinking about a bunch of, start chasing women and doing different things and absolutely mess up the church, mess up my marriage. You could do it. But I'm smarter than that, ain't you? I'm not going to do that. Hmm? I'm no weakling. I don't care how good looking a woman is. Huh? I'm not a weakling. I'm not just going to fall and faint. Say, oh, you're too beautiful. I have to get involved with you. Ain't nobody that beautiful. Did you hear me? Ain't nobody beautiful enough for me to throw everything away and displease my God and hurt my wife and mess up my ministry. Huh? Hmm. No, ain't nobody that beautiful. <laughs> Y'all with me? Close your eyes. Lift up your hearts before the Lord. Let me lead you in a prayer of sanctification this evening. Say it out loud. Father God, thank you for causing me to be a new creature. In Christ Jesus, I've been born again. I have the strength inside of me, the life, the faith, the anointing, the Holy Spirit inside of me. I can say no to the desires and lusts of the flesh. I honor your word. What you say is right, is right. What you say is wrong, and sin, is wrong, and sin. I purpose, by your grace, to keep my body in sanctification and honor before you and before all men. For you will help me, and I will walk uprightly before you, and not dishonor you, nor myself, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, single people in here, you just, everybody keep your eyes closed. You need to make a further consecration. I don't care what kind of mistakes you've made in the past. Or as recently as this week or this month. I want you in your heart to make a commitment before the Lord. That is it. I am keeping myself for my spouse. I am keeping myself for that man. I'm keeping myself for my wife. I'm keeping myself. My body is precious. And I will not yield it and be intimate with another. Make that consecration. Make that dedication in yourself and before the Lord as a gift to your spouse. Hallelujah.
out of your love and your honor and respect for God and for yourself and for them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we love people and yet hold up a standard of righteousness? Can we? Huh? We know people have made mistakes. We don't have to act like none of us have ever made any mistakes. But at the same time, we can't say wrong is right. We can't say that sin is okay. Hmm? How many believe we can have fun as Christians? Being single can be fun without partying and sleeping around. Huh? Anybody can sleep around. Hmm? Don't take no special skill to do that. Takes honor. Takes strength. Amen? To not give in to the flesh. To be feeling all kind of things and just stand up and smile and say, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> See you later. Huh? It's being a real man, real woman. You're not a slave to your passions, not a slave to your desires. You're in control. You're a spiritual man. You're a spiritual woman. Hallelujah. Man of God, woman of God. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.